Welcome to the Beat Around the Bench podcast, a podcast about woodworking, good times, and general jackassery. With your hosts, Jess of Jess Builded, Colton of Colt Crit, and Ross of RNC Woodworking and Designs. You can find us all on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Now for episode six, The Meanest Men in the West. Meanest Men in the West, huh? Yeah. It's a classic <laughs> Bronson flick. Never seen it. No? It sounds, it sounds good. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's been fun for me to look at the listing of all of our podcast names and they sound epic. Um, just going back because they're all yeah, named after action do. movies. So I've enjoyed that little flair. Yeah. I know a lot of them name it after just like something that was said in the podcast, but the total arbitrary way we name it. I kind of like it. I kind of <laughs> like it. I've well, got an eighties, eighties movie that I like. So it's kind of funny how some of them have turned around and came back into the episode and actually applied um, unintentionally. That's true. But, Very true. Yeah. So let's start things out, gentlemen. Obviously, we have a new name for the podcast. This is our first official recording with the new name. Do we want to broach the subject at all as to why we changed it? Or are we going to gloss I, over this? I think that everybody's going to want to know why. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we should talk about it. So I think the best person to do that is Colton. But I mean, I texted all of our podcast listeners and told them. So, I mean, <laughs> the, the tens of listeners, all six of them, you got them all in um, a single group text. Yeah, that's right. Actually, yeah. a, a big, a big hurdle has been hit here. We are officially past 100 followers. And Yay. so there will be Whoop. some, some updates and changes coming to some of the format moving forward after this episode that we will discuss off air, but uh, some more good things are coming our way. So. Everything's Exciting. coming up, beat around the bench. Yeah, Sounds and I, I don't know man. how we're going to or- organize it yet, but uh, we're going to do a, a cel- celebrating our first 100 subscribers on Spotify, a um, like some sort of giveaway. You know, I think we could do a giveaway. Yeah. Now, I, I do it, know that a lot of people who listen to this podcast also came and met us at WorkbenchCon. So giving away some of the things that we got at WorkbenchCon Probably isn't as sought after. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm thinking that um, that charcuterie board that has like the infinity loop in it, yeah. like the, the clear through resin. Um, I've gotten, I already got to make some other of those too. So that might be a, a good one to give away. Yeah. That it, is a it nice is donation. Kinda, kinda that is unique. a very nice donation. Yeah. Well, for I, tax reasons, those things are like what? $8,000. Yeah, uh, yeah, nine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but but Colton, Colton, how yeah. about you? You enrich everyone's uh, ears by letting them know how and why we have changed the podcast name. Oh yeah, oh dude, we got this letter in the mail from a lawyer, which looked pretty official. And luckily, we got some lawyer buds here in Houston and sent it to them, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, you, you got to listen to them." What they're saying um, that bench dogs is apparently, or bench dog, is a trademarked term, and we were infringing on that term. Um, Rockler actually owns it, and unfortunately, they did not want to sponsor us just yet. Just but yet. There's a yet in yet. there. And then yeah, they there had, is a yet. <laughs> they had the audacity to send me some stuff in the mail this week. Oh, just like, you know, my regular coupons. But Yeah. 
I mean, I get it because they don't have any control or say over us, right? And so then somebody could associate us with them and we could talk about something that they don't want us to talk about. And so that's yeah. the way the world works now. That's fine. No, the I'm table, not actually the tables will turn it. one day. Yeah, it's, um, they're just Who doing knew? job. Yeah, well, apparently. Well, I have- guess trademark.com did. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have done that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting well, uh, though because a bench dog overall is right. just it's it's a hold down for your bench, which has been right. used in all honesty for hundreds long of years. Long time, yeah. And so mm-hmm. we were all under the assumption that it was just public domain, but like like a hand plane or a saw. Yeah. yeah. But uh unfortunately, uh in the early to mid nineties, Rockler saw an opportunity and they jumped upon it and good for them, you know. I can't hold anything against them. They're trying to protect their trademarks and intellectual property. So uh, obviously we had to change the name of the podcast so that uh, in, um, in such eloquent words, we would not get sued. So, well, they just wanted to say, Hey, you can't do this. I I will say Rockler's bench dog line, their stuff, their pucks, all that stuff. It's pretty cool stuff. It is pretty cool. Ingenuitive stuff. I've always really liked it. So oh, yeah. I gotta check it out. We shall see. I so I don't have anything bench dog like actually in my shop. Um whenever I finally do build like a sturdy workbench, I was planning on incorporating some bench dogs on there. I think we should make that like obviously we were talking about going down to Jess's shop to build some stuff at his shop over like a long weekend. I think what we should do is come down and build a proper workbench for you. Oh that'll be our trip yeah. down to to visit you. Oh man, that would be sick. Yeah. Hey, if we happen to plan it during March, if it does take that long, we can go do some rodeo too. That'd be a lot of fun. Some Houston rodeo. I mean, I think it'd be fun to go right from WorkbenchCon right into your shop and just start building a bench. Oh well, that is rodeo time too. So I know. Oh my gosh. All right. It, I will planned. say that I have never been more like get out of here than when I was talking to you, Ross, about uh, the, what's this, Wood Ninja? Yeah. Ninja, the Ninja, Ninja Carpenter Woodworks. or whatever. Yeah, Ninja oh, the Woodworks Samurai Carpenter? Samurai Carpenter, that's it. Oh, yeah. okay, never mind. And I remember watching his whole thing about that um, workbench. Yeah. Hard and all this different stuff. And I said, that is too pretty to work on. And now I see it and he uses it, but... He basically said, you know, this will be around when my kids, you know, yeah. are, are old. And and then you're like, oh, yeah, I made that. It's <laughs> yeah. like, get out of here. Yeah, that's so, literally the, the workbench I have. And I built it so, when COVID first so started. And um, How I, much did it cost you materials? So being that most of my lumber is free uh, and I just pay for milling, a lot of it was like my all-in cost. Be, what would it cost if I had to pay for all the lumber would probably be in the 12 to $1,400 range. Um, I paid nothing because I had all the lumber already and I just had to mill it. So I spent boatloads of time milling that, you know, there's good and bad to that. Uh, but it, it, to me, I don't want to say it was free. I invested so many sweat hours into that thing, but it's, it is a beast, and I utilize that bench every day. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really beautiful. It's just a work of art. It really is very well thought out. You yeah. know who else has got a good bench? Is that guy on Dusty, Dusty Lumberco? 
Yeah. And he's got that side that flips up. Oh, that's so smart. The uh, so the other one who has a really good one is the Third Coast Craftsman. Um, he's actually based in Michigan. His is more of an English style workbench versus the the one that I have is technically a French Roubaix style. Uh, so it's more of the English cabinet maker style or style. So that's just an interesting difference in how they're made. It uh, but it's a cool bench in and of its own right. Rather than having the sliding dead man, it has a panel that just has dog holes all the way through the side. So, gotcha. yeah. So speaking of that, speaking of benches, what's, what's on your bench? Me first. <laughs> and the gimme gimme's. Yeah. Let's and the do gimme it. gimme's. Um, we're getting ramped up at today was my wife's last day at her other work. I did All see right. that. That is an emotional yeah. emotional yeah. change, but uh the, she seems excited. The girls all took her out, so that was nice. Like in and, a mafia way? <laughs> like it was just supposed to be her and one other person, and then everybody kept asking, so it wanted to be like thirteen people. She's not so they all went out fishing. to eat. And um uh, we owner of the company has bought a bunch of stuff with chairs and desks and some computer stuff. And I've got a lavalier mic and um, the lab, the actual, the electronic like wireless part that hooks up to your phone. Mm-hmm. And then a lavalier lapel mic. I got one of those, some iPods, some I, um, laptop docking stations, monitors, chairs. And then I purchased a new iPhone 14, Pro Max and a brand new 12.9 iPad. Wait for iPad your Pro. For, for your new phone. Uh, first of all, congrats on your new phone. Did you yeah. upgrade to get the larger storage on it? I got a 512. No, I got a 256. I I didn't. I, th- that the way I figure it is at 60 frames a second, I'll probably be able to store about 40 hours of video on it. You but know, we you, haven't. A, you'd think that, but it's it fills up fast. Yes. Yeah. Well, well maybe you I can did use the iCloud. Um, well, I, have, I haven't had I bought an external, that, external um, hard drive, four terabyte hard drive. Okay, there you go. So yeah. we'll just have to. The cost was going to be. I mean, it's it's just the price just of everything just kept going up, and then it was a little more, and then it was a little more, and that was the best deal that they had on the, on the phone. And um, our bill, we had an old plan, but. They worked it out, so it's actually not going to be much more expensive. So it's nice, yeah. you know. Man, I, I got to warn you on the on the trying to use the external hard drive. Like, unless you're trying to edit everything from your computer. Um, for me, I, you know, I just went through all the issues with that. Um, with having eight eight months of footage for that last video I put out, with it, some of it being in my Google Drive, some of it being on my phone, like it. It I, it took me a lot of time trying to organize and get everything back together, and right. it it was a booger for me. Um, but hopefully, I'll be posting a lot quicker now. As far as like um, not taking eight months to complete a video and a project. So but, on well, that here- note, I have noticed. Um, I picked up kind of a hint, I guess, when we were at WorkbenchCon about not offloading the video as soon as you're done, but basically having one to two projects worth of stuff on your phone. You keep, you keep a couple pictures, but in general, um, the large video and stuff, I move to either the cloud or an external hard drive and I have it there, but I do the editing on my tablet that I bought and 
it works pretty well. The only problem is when I pull it in from the cloud, it's not in um, it's not in chronological order. So it takes me a long time to just figure out what cut and what really bit, yeah. For some reason, when it imports it, um, I don't know if it's just something in the transition, but like it doesn't import it in chronological order. And so mm. I literally have to go through and like figure out what clip goes where and watch it back through like 20 times oh, to figure that's out. That's weird. But the, you're using Android, right? Yeah. I have, I have an Android phone and an Android tablet. So the Apple stuff seems like when I look at the, on the iCloud, like iCloud.com, it's in the same order that it is on my phone. So I'm not sure, but yeah, the way I look at it is me and her, both of our phones are paid off. And if we start using this phone and it's just becoming a total annoyance, then we'll just upgrade one of our phones and get one. And just if it, if we're doing that much video, that's exciting, right? Yeah. So who cares? Who's what's another fifty bucks a month? So we'll just we'll just have to upgrade one of the phones for you know, and it's I know it's like fifty about sixty bucks a month for the phone. But the iPad is five twelve. I did pay extra for that. There you uh, go. So that'll that that'll open up a whole bunch of things for you. So well, I did. So back to your point. You, I did a video the other day. We were putting the doors on the thing. So I just set it up on a tripod, like, uh, what do they call it? Uh, what, what's his name? Call it, um, like a, uh, uh, surveillance footage, surveillance footage, you know, but, um, at 60 frames a second at 1080. Yep. And it was 10 minutes and 50 seconds and it was 960 uh, megabytes, almost a gig. Yep. So the way I figured it is 11 minutes is one gig. Roughly. Give or take. Right. Depending, roughly. So I did a bunch of math on it, and that works out to be about 40 hours of, of video. That's with a buffer. Now, that also means that you have no other programs or anything else running in the right. background on your phone. Right. There's not a lot on the phone. Right. That, so yeah. if you are putting only video and pictures from work, then you're good. As soon as yes, you start, that's all it's for. Okay. As soon as you start incorporating apps and a few other things, then it starts to take up more space and then you're limiting yourself. But overall, yes, you are correct. Yeah. Yeah. I figured it, I figured it about 220, 220 um, gigs of available space. So there's your math. So yeah. I mean, to be fair, the, the longest video I've done was 14 hours of footage. And that was on only fans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the benefit of Boy, it is was I chapped. <laughs> it was large and lovely.com. So, um, <laughs> all right. You know, some people like them uh, beefy and I got to help the people with their needs. So that's uh, right. Yep. You're, you're a Who am I? person. You know, who am Cust- I to, to hold back things from people? No. Begin yeah, with I the customer it. in mind, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Strangely enough, I was in a hot body contest um, when I was 20, and I was literally like a similar build, and I got second place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a guy hey. who was like an actual bodybuilder who won, but most of the ladies who were cheering, um, they were super excited that some guy with a dad bod was up there just yeah, dad bods are okay. Dude, I full on. It was in. like, it was like Chris Farley in the uh, Playboy Patrick Swayze 
uh, or the Chippendale episode. So it was good. I love it, man. Like you it. ever snuggle uh, with a dude with abs? It's not that snuggly. I, I, no. I have not. Um, that's, that's not been on my list thus far. Well, the, no. the, I have noticed that girls say, have said things like that before. Like they like a little, little meat. Well, I mm-hmm. think Crystal's trying to get me too fat to cheat at this point. Oh, that, she, she, she's been cooking well. Uh, yeah. That means she loves you. <laughs> Wants to keep mm-hmm. you around. Yeah. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. she's she's almost about I don't know, last few weeks about had enough of me with um, staying up all night with the business and everything. But yeah. So as far as what else is on my bench, um, that's that's it. We we're uh, I started painting the office a little bit. What just color? Kind of like after uh, salmon. I'm gonna say I'm going to save it for the videos. Okay, but it that's is fair. it is wow. It is it's wild. The color. So, uh, yeah, I did it after work today. You're doing some art? So, like, uh, uh, yes. Are you serious? Yes. Are you are doing you, are you a yeah, painter? Um, you got yeah, like some, you're doing a, a, a mural oh, no. of like Jess's naked mariachi band? No, but I, w- I will tell you one cool thing that we are going to do. So, um, my boss is a little bit of a pack rat, a little bit. Okay. And every time he takes down one of these houses, he'll have like these things that he took out of the house. He's like, well, that's a good light. And that's a good this, and that's a good that. And then it moves to the garage of the next house that he's working on, and so on and so on. And his wife, you know, just like, just throw it out or whatever. And some of it we did use, so I'll, you know. But there was this glass door, and it's it's got to be three-eighths to half-inch tempered uh, shower glass door, but just pure glass. And all it has is a handle and then two two stainless hinges and a stainless handle. Mm-hmm. And um, I kept trying to get him to throw it away. His wife wanted him to throw it away. He's like, "That's a good door. They're really expensive. We could make it work." And da 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 da. So we're like, "Okay." So we just kept pushing it to the side. So the house is done for the most part. And we went over there to pick up an old refrigerator to clean it and put it at the shop because he couldn't use it because I had my trailer and uh, we had put some cabinets at his house and. I was like, come on, let's just get rid of it. Come on. He's like, ah, you're right. It'll make my wife happy. Just get rid of it. So we were carrying it back. And I said, you know, I could do one of those dry erase boards on that thing with the chalk and put an LED behind it. You ever seen that like at a restaurant? I have, especially when it's like the neon dry erase. Yes. Neon Mm -hmm. dry erase. So we're going to do that. And I I took the hinges and painted them black. And we're going to mount it up on the wall on like a header board. And then I'm going to make like a little tray with a dado for it to set in and put some LEDs behind it. Nice. And then it'll be like our just brain board. And we'll write on there with the, Ashley's got good handwriting. So she'll write on there with like neon chalk. I think it'll be neat. Nice. And and paint it black behind it. And then you can shower behind it. Yes. And I could shower behind it. Yes. It will stop the overspray. Well done. Well done. So that's about it. Okay. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Big things happening. Outstanding. How about you, Colton? What's going on? Man, we had a, a big marketing week this week. So I follow this guy for a while on TikTok. Um, he's up in New Jersey. It's called, uh, he has a seltzer brand. They're trying to get off the ground. And it's uh, LFG Seltzer. And they're very edgy. Like, you're, you're about to have to do some editing to get some of these crispers <laughs> out, Ross. I'm sorry. 
Like they, <laughs> they literally trademarked the term seltzer that fucks. And it, uh, yeah, just to give you a turn, I think LFG actually stands for like uh let's fucking go kind of thing. But uh, the guy kind of a genius. Um, it's actually an 8% seltzer mm-hmm. and um, comes in a, like a, a four top. loco kind of thing. Uh, yeah, well, they're actually working on a 14.5, which would beat four loco on the percentages like in, huh. in that realm. Yeah, but it's not out yet right now. They got the 8% and um, I haven't got it in yet. Um, he bought me some, but I, so they only follow 69 people at a time. Right. That That's awesome. The, uh, the, the edgy thing. And one of his followers got deleted or banned or whatever. And so he was like, I'm looking for somebody to be our 69th follower. And um, so I immediately commented like, dude, let it be Colt crit. Well, we'll make you a cornhole board with uh, LED resin and all that, all that good stuff. And then I snuck into his DMS on Instagram and, um, I sent him, uh, he was down and super cool guy. And like, I sent him a, a blueprint, like a mock-up drawing and like I had it in the bag. Like he even made a video, um, his next video with like had my blueprint in it showing all his fans. And, um, yeah, I was pretty excited, but then I got one upped. Somebody went and got a tattoo of his brand on their leg. <laughs> Decent oh. size too. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you know what? I, I admit defeat, but, but now he, uh, I, I'm still, it's not about being the follower. It's just a, a good PR thing. Also like, are you still going to make the, the, the boards? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We're still making the boards and he's going to do an unboxing video and stuff and nice, which he's not a huge account, but, um, as far as TikTok, he's about the same size as me. Right. And, um, so it's still a good, good bit of eyes and, I feel like our, both of our demographics, like, you know, me primarily being cornhole boards and him a seltzer, uh, it's two demographics that enjoy drinking. And yeah, I'm sure a lot of them like drinking outside and playing yard games. And so, yeah, but also it was cool. Uh, he talks about like his like entrepreneurial process and, or not so much process, but just the struggle really. And, um, the way he says it, he's hemorrhaging money to keep this business alive. And welcome I feel, to entrepreneurship. <laughs> I feel that heavily right now too. And so there's just lots to relate with and, um, it, it's cool to work with them. So yeah, hopefully another one of his followers gets banned. I, I, I don't think it'd be right for me to beat out the guy who got the tattoo. <laughs> That's fair. But, so does that mean you um, made any progress or did you make any progress on the existing board count? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I haven't started on the LFG board yet. Um, yeah, so we're, I got two more board, two more sets of boards in the paint booth right now. And that'll put us below 20. And Whoa. Yeah, Whoa. We're, we're, we're cruising. And we're talking. Yeah. We're, we're cruising. But, um, I got to admit the stuff that I've seen in the videos you posted yeah. has been unbelievable. Like yeah, the caliber really of your work is fantastic, man. Yeah, you are yeah. absolutely crushing it. I, so, I appreciate it. And what we find if anybody, started- if anybody who's listening to this has not checked out Colt Crit's page, either on TikTok or Instagram, make sure you do it. And also, if you're looking for the best present to buy somebody who loves yard games and drinking, check out yes. Colt Crit. Or for your business, or for your business to yeah. to play at company picnics. And we stuff. do a lot. Or of for it. every yeah. major 
pro sports team and collegiate yes. team for all yes. of your your tailgating needs. Yes. You need to have a set of these. Well, not yes. technically, especially a nighttime tailgate game. Can you imagine with mm-hmm. LEDs? It's bad to the bone. I know. Well, you so I, I get that a lot actually. Like people will be like, like, so right now uh, the boards are a little bit more expensive than they were. I, I finally started pricing them where they should be. So I stopped losing money on them. And someone's like, like for people who don't get cornhole, like they'll ask me like, why would someone ever pay that much for a yard game? And I'm like, it's not just a yard game. It's so much more than that. Like you, you think of like, uh, you know, like Billy Bob who has his truck, like everyone knows that that's the, the lifted Silverado with the running lights and all the extra jazz. That's it. It's part of their personality too. And yeah. Also, another step, too, with the yard game. So, first off, a lot of these are made for, like, anniversaries, weddings, uh, birthdays. Bar mitzvahs, a bris. <laughs> I haven't done any bar mitzvah ones yet. But, um, but yeah. Have you so, done uh, one there, for a colonoscopy? <laughs> I have not. Or at least not that I know of. <laughs> I think that'd but, be a fun one to incorporate. Happy colonoscopy. Here's a cornhole board. <laughs> Better watch your cornhole, buddy, is what it says. I see where you're going with that now. <laughs> oh man, back in the hole, baby. But but yeah, so it's real special. And you play it with family and friends, right? And so it, it's so much more than just a yard game. Do you Even guys at the end of the day, it, by definition, it is just a yard game. Do you guys include the bags with it as well? Yep. Um we do include bags. Um I'm not using super nice bags. Like they're sturdy. Like um, I actually, I'm getting them through Amazon right now, and you know I've tested them out. They're they're sturdy, but I've been trying to pair up because you know there's like professional bags that you can use, right? Like one side. I was unaware of that, but I have seen there is a professional cornhole league. Yeah. Oh, the ACL. Uh, Yeah, American Cornhole League. It's yeah, big deal. Um, But yeah, so there's these bags. Like there's, there's professional bags, right? Like, so one side will have like a grippier side. One side will be slick and they're different weights. And there's just all sorts of bags, just like disc golf. There's all sorts of disc out there. Right. And I've been trying to find a good, uh, bag brand like to partner with and like, um, have it as an add on item, which I've checked out. some. there's a smaller one. I think they're based in Texas called like lucky bags or something, but but yeah, if anyone listening to this knows of a good bag brand, I'm looking for suggestions. As uh, I'd love to sell some of their bags uh, as an add-on item and get <coughs> another level of quality to these boards. Yeah, and you know who's probably looking for added business after some some rough goings over the past few years is the My Pillow guy. He could probably make some. <laughs> yes, bags. yes, or the Silvercowa oh, we- Pillow guy. Man, we should get him to make some cornhole bag. That's not a that's not a miserable idea. Yeah. Yeah. Close <laughs> to it. Yeah. But um also oh. one thing, a big update for like uh, as far as like the way we're making the cornhole boards. So right now we're using like a half inch birch plywood on top. And that's one of the biggest time eaters is trying to not burn through the veneer on the top of that board. Because you know, we run this through a drum sander and uh then I have to I I spent a lot of time behind the sander on these boards. And so I found uh, from the big box stores, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's, you can buy pine in a uh, two by four 
section, which it says nominal. So I, I'll have to see if it actually is like a true 24 by 48, but using like an actual hardwood on top and the price comes out about the same because we're using really nice birch plywood on top. Real but that would save you a ton of time on sanding because you could go a little thicker or a little deeper on each cut and just have it yeah, go faster, well, right? Really, it comes down to the drum sander. I can throw an 80 grit on the drum sander and just let her eat and not have to worry about going too deep. And There you go. Yeah, and then just sand the heck out of it as well. Like, uh, I don't have to be so touchy, you know, with all the stuff. And that, that's one thing hard. Like, the, the different employees we've had in the past, like, I've always handled the tops. What? No, they eventually get to the tops, but that's like a real touchy thing. Like, uh, I have to make sure they have a good attention to detail, you know, before they can do that part. Your employees get touchy with your tops? Mm-hmm. Mm, I, mm-hmm. I get touchy with my tops, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, not with the employees. No. Good, good. <laughs> that's an HR suit waiting to happen. Yeah. Have you have you th- have you thought about have you ever done veneer? And just doing just like adding a like veneer. Do the so just brainstorming. You could do your because birch veneer is not very expensive. I mean, you can buy maple veneer too. It's pretty. It's not that expensive. You're saying it's like like a thin roll of it. Yeah, but it's much thicker than what comes on that stuff. That the stuff on plywood's oh. like onion skin. That's you're saying like is add, maybe out of veneer before I carve so, it and pour. You could do that. You could do that, or I don't know. I don't want to add too many steps to it, but like you could do it, get it all cut out, sand it, even though it burns through the first ply, then re-veneer it, recut it with the CNC, and then put some clear to fill the the distance. I don't know, something along like that. But if you put the veneer on there before you do all of it, I mean, you really have to be going crazy. You couldn't use 80. You'd have to be really going crazy to go through that veneer because it's pretty thick, yeah, and it has a backing on it. It's it's much thicker than the stuff that comes from the factory. Yeah, because I've messed it's up five some inches, stuff, before. but it's thick. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, hey, that, that's not a bad. It's just not that expensive. Yeah. And you then, and then then you can just make it out of whatever you want to make it. You can make it out of regular, uh, less expensive plywood, like imported plywood, uh, which is still okay. And then you could buy walnut veneer you could buy whatever and there's a lot Mm. of different ways to do it um the easiest without having to get a vacuum bag and all that stuff is just do um you know contact cement bam bam just roll it out and then you just leave it all wide and trim it off and that's interesting you roll it out out. like ludicrous Woo! like roll out roll out roll 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 out out. yes now i cannot it's kind of fun doing veneers too yeah well, uh, so I do have like a little strip of veneers. I was going to try for whenever I did burn through, but it, um, it didn't, I don't know. I, I couldn't get it to work or like it didn't make sense. Cause it was going to build up too much, but unless I like went in with like a, a, a router and like, like ate out that part and, um, <laughs> don't do it with the that. router. Don't do it with the router. Well, I don't know what kind of bit. No, I, never mind. Yeah, I would say just like a like a straight cut or a down cut doesn't like uh, from what I'm saying that that it's not important how it, the the bit from what I'm saying, but I don't know it, it didn't work. Um, but yeah, I, I've experimented with that. But yeah, so you mentioned you, so let me I can't let me wait. ask this: if if you were to put the board back onto your CNC machine 
and did like a 32nd of an inch pass with a like a slab flattening bit would that take down some of the excess epoxy, epoxy. and so then the- allow you to just do one super light pass with the the sander so here's the problem um these boards like the entire edge is being mm-hmm. cut out right for the border and then depending on the size of the logo in the middle there's a lot of material being removed and then mm-hmm. being refilled with resin and mm-hmm. the boards are rarely perfectly flat right? right and so if you put it back on the cnc and you have a vacuum table right yeah if you put it back on the cnc uh yeah without a vacuum table it it would uh cut through the veneer at certain parts and that's one thing i've had to overcome with the drum sander and the way i beat that is i use 120 grit and i only do one pass but i do it super heavy and um like so this this plywood is half inch but it's usually like like 0. 0.51 0. 0.5 um so like i'm going just like uh 64th below a, ha- a half inch and so Did you try that extra pressure um actually flattens the board and keeps it flat enough to not burn out because if i go in slow passes with the drum sander you know the edges normally it it'll cup and so the edges will come up and it'll burn through those outside edges if i go slow passes down and so that, that's Colton, how i've overcome it so far did you try at all using the technique i told you about of using a heat gun to just get off yeah. the excess with a putty I was just knife thinking about that because i i literally did it again this past week so you just get it hot and scrape the excess off. Huh? So you use a heat gun and you scrape all the excess stuff off. So you're basically flush with the top. It doesn't hit any of the stuff below. And then you do like one 64th of an inch pass in a planer or a drum sander. And it looks like mirror finish. That's crazy. Um, You know what? Now you say it, I should revisit that. Uh, you but... can just try it on a piece of scrap. Yeah. Um, I didn't know you could do that, but it makes sense because I've seen people heat it up and bend it. Yeah. Um, so like, that's how I get, that's how I'll get Like if uh, I get some resin on the floor or on my bench, I'll, I'll use, use, uh, the torch and a scraper. But yeah. so as far as the center logo, um, I mean, some of those, it's at least a 10 by 10 space of pure resin. Yeah. And which I guess I could just hit that. Cheat rock knife, baby. I could hit that part with the uh, this with the the Rotex, but yeah, you just I, I, I should a, a sheetrock knife. It um try it out. Like if there's a random knot on a two by four, just pour some epoxy, let it set, and then the next day come back, use a putty knife and your heat gun. So and it, it literally it takes like fifteen to twenty seconds with the heat gun. Come in with the putty knife right behind it, and it peels off everything flush with the top layer of the wood. Mm-hmm. And then you can put that piece right through the planer or drum sander, and it is perfect. So on solid wood, that it makes more sense. But with the with the plywood, uh, I'd have to make sure my scraper wasn't sharp at all, or I could very easily correct puncture. Right. Correct. Um, Sheetrock. Also, I, I wonder if the epoxy would like soak into the plywood more as opposed to like a hardwood. But I'm, I would I, worry about. I, hey, you know what, Ross? Uh, I'll do some experimenting. Yeah, let me I know. I would just worry about the heat gun messing up the glue on the plywood. It it does not, because you're only there for a few seconds. You're hitting the top of, of everything, and then you can come in below it, and it cools off real fast. 
You know, I've done hey, it before hey, on plywood. I'll do the test so. and we'll, we'll, I'll put, I'll video it. I'll record it and put it on the, the Insta. The vegan okay. follow up. Told you so. Insta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me make a note of that real quick. Yeah. Insta test. Yeah. Okay. So, right, um, last thing. So, you mentioned the walnut. I cannot wait for the day that someone commissions me to do a walnut cornhole board. Like joined boards on top, everything's walnut. I I look forward to that. It oh, it would be sick. Um, I, I still think you should use a veneer. Yeah, on the top part. No, you don't think you think it'll stay flat. It's yeah, kinda, it's that's super important. Yeah, but you can put a say, border say the board like, itself. Yeah, the board is itself. Worried about war? Well, it, it, uh, but well, just frame, if you put a uh, yeah. if you frame it in like cross grain around it, like a picture frame and have the other stuff inset, then you're fine. The only thing that I worry about, and I'm just saying worry about with that is that if you do attach or glue another piece going the opposite direction of that grain, when it goes to shrink, it could crack. Cause I've had that happen on tables, mm-hmm. like a three quarter inch, like maple top. And then we would do like a little decorative piece going across the bottom. It was just three quarters, but that makes it so that it can expand and contract and it found a place to crack somewhere in the table oh. because it's pulling against that and it can't move. So that is if it, true. you know, as long as it doesn't get acclimated it, as much as you want to seal both sides and all that stuff, it can still happen. Hey, so, so that's all. That, that's a good thing. I didn't think about that. Um, I guess. Yeah. So the, that's why I like veneer. The pocket holes are out then um, the pocket screws as far as that's, that's cool. how we attach the, the frame to the top. Right. Um, right. So I guess we, if we ever do that, we'll do like those, um, you know, there's a bunch of different styles, but one of the slide hinges they'd use for a table that would allow the top to expand and contract, have some movement. You could do that or you could just do it so that there was a reveal on the top if you were going to really get into it and then use Z-clips or those figure eight or some sort of way to attach the top, just like you would attach a top to a um, a table base into the aprons. You would do the same thing with that cornhole board top. You would just have it so that it had room to expand and contract. So they make Z clips. I don't know if you know what those are, but um, I, I they, think they're so. no. Yeah. And they go into a little slot on the, on the frame and then attach to the bottom of the table. So as it moves, they just slide in and out of a slot on the underneath of the, apron okay. yeah you can either I, I, I use just pulled it out i, I just i just pulled it up that's what she clips. said yeah yeah <laughs> so it's almost like a french cleat kind of style similar idea you can either run like a, a bead underneath <laughs> on the table saw or use a domino or biscuit joiner to make that same slot it's super easy to do uh i can i can name four or five uh woodworkers that that use that same method and put it on basically every video they do so Nice. Yeah, biscuit joiner works really good. So, um, should would I, whenever we make this ePay set, mm-hmm. should I be doing the same uh, strategy as far as like planning for wood movement? Um, short answer yes. Uh, long answer it depends overall, but I would leave some room for wood movement. But what I typically do is because you're only going to get at maximum a quarter inch of movement per uh, six board feet is the typical ratio. So it's not like a crazy amount, 
But if you just leave the outside edges um, a little proud, it can expand mm-hmm. out to the, like outside the edge um, of the the board. So there's a little bit of a, an overhang lip on the what would be the left and the right side as you're looking at the board. Mm-hmm. If you leave that, then there's room for movement and it can still expand and contract. So I got you, and you won't see it. Correct. Well, uh, so a lot of people do that with their uh, boards, but really it just makes making the the base easier to make. Um, Correct. Right. And we're all about that base. But I, that base. I like to make these boards, like people keep telling me to go, like the common thing now is to do this three quarter inch plywood for everything. Like your, your frame, your legs, your top. And... Like, no, people I, aren't going to be willing to pay the money you're asking for yeah. for just three quarter inch plywood on everything. People keep trying to get me to go with the plywood, and I'm like, man, this is a piece of furniture. Like, this is yes. cool. Like, yeah. well, if it was like walnut plywood, I could understand that, but yeah, yeah, no, not birch. Mm-hmm. No, the the problem is people who are are wanting you to go down to just the standard plywood are also probably expecting a board to cost somewhere in the 150 to 200 dollar range and with right. all the stuff you're putting into it as you said it's a piece of furniture so do it right stick to your guns make sure you're making money on it but do it right do yeah. it the first time yeah. i would like to move back to poplar for the frames right now we're using like pine for the the main frame and then i'm using i use uh, a computer for my main frame <laughs> yes sorry but we, we are still using poplar for the legs and then the cup holders. Uh, so that was one thing. So we're CNC in the legs now, and we do like a dado where the cup holder goes into it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so there's no longer uh, pocket screws on the le- on the cup holders that go with the legs, and it's worked out really well. Um, and yeah, it's all CNC'd. But I cannot find for the life of me. Uh, two inch or you know a two inch nominal pine that wasn't yellow pine and like i i did a few legs with the yellow pine and it was all right but once you get the stain on there it's it's way different than the rest of the stuff we're using and, so i know it sounds I, dumb, I asked but mills and everything i couldn't find it ask your local mills if they have um one by three maple like a hard maple it's a lot of times used for face frame on cabinets, but it comes in free of anything as far as knots. It is unbelievable to stain, to work with. It's a true hardwood, um, but the pricing is the same as the pine. What? For yeah. maple? Yeah. Ask your local mill. Ask you your think, local oh, mill for one by threes. One by three. So yeah, because what it's, is that it's, actual? Or, uh, three quarter inch thick or just over three quarter inch thick by two and a half inches wide. Okay. So we're doing a one by four for the frame. So, three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have, they have, usually there's a one by three and a one by six. You said it's hard maple? Yeah. That would be amazing. Uh, I'll, I'll look into that. Yeah. Take a look at it. Cause I've actually been using it on a ton of projects recently um, for the past year. Because initially I was going to be using um, a few other options. I was like, well, maybe I could do it with with plywood. Maybe I could do it with this or that. And the maple came in like it was it was almost cheaper than poplar. Man, 
Yeah, well, so the poplar, I'm getting uh, at least the, well, yeah, when I was getting it in the one by four, if I would buy over like 500 linear foot of it, I could get it for like a dollar eighty a linear foot in a one by four. Okay. And, Just uh, price out the maple. See where it comes out for you. Yeah, uh, dude, I will. <laughs> I would love to be working with maple. I mean, yeah. It'd be a little bit more. It on the stains stage. really well. It it yeah. looks, yeah. It's it's great to work with. It paints well. It stains well. It can do everything mm-hmm. you're doing. Yeah, which you know, compared to the pine, the poplar, I lo- I love using it a lot more. But it does get those green spots. Yeah, you don't get but, that in the maple. Yeah, however, you, you get some good, you get some good boards of uh, the poplar, and it looks like maple almost. Correct. Or you but, could use maple, and it is maple. <laughs> that would be so sick maple board that you could throw that thing out of a truck it'd Mm -hmm. be fine Mm -hmm. the plywood be screwed but yeah yeah but the frame would be fine yeah oh so i have i've been using a lot more hand tools lately um you know like uh recently got into sharpening my chisels correctly and nice like dove all into that and it's been a lot of fun but like you know you're noticing a joy difference in your building Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Man, today I did uh, a little Morris intended thing. It was kind of excessive. I didn't need to, but I uh, I wanted to take a break from the cornwall boards. And a little Morris intended thing like that help hang a fan thing. There you go. And um, yeah, I did it like, well, I, I think I used a router at one point. That's okay. For a majority of it, uh, it was hand tools and it was very enjoyable. Uh, I liked it a lot. But yeah, awesome. I'm finding it's even quicker sometimes, like uh, pulling out a chisel instead of, uh, you know, using just the sander and like buffing down on it. Yeah. But so as far as the hand plane, too, I got a question for y'all. So I, I have one hand plane and it's just like a smoothing plane. It's cobalt, you know, got it at mm-hmm. Lowe's. Uh, yep. it, does, it does surprisingly well, but yep. I'd like to expand on that. So. I was going to see what y'all thought as far as my next plane. What should I get? So do you have a bench, um, a bench plane? No, you're saying like a, like a electric planer. Oh, sorry. Not a bench plane. A block plane is what I'm thinking. A block plane, a small one. No, I I got, I got the smoothing one. That's all I got. So the, the block plane is a good one for just doing a quick chamfer on some edges or just making things flush. Um, they're usually 30 to 40 bucks, but the hint I'm going to give you, and it'll actually be a time you can spend with your wife as well. I know this sounds dumb, but tell her you want to go antiquing. And the reason I'm saying that is there's a lot of antique or like rummage sale type places yeah. that have antique hand tools. And you can get like a 1920s cast iron Stanley hand plane for like 15 bucks. And you put in a little bit of uh, elbow grease into cleaning it up. And they are almost better than like a $300 version you can get right now. Like a new yeah. one. So, yeah, so fun. Yeah, it's it's fun to like tear it apart and clean it all up. Throw some spray paint on there just to like, you know, get everything cleaned it back up and like up to modern standards. But you feel much more of a connection to it because you put in a little bit of sweat equity into the piece. Yeah. And it makes it much easier to then justify getting more tools because you only spent 15 bucks or whatever. And then you're spending time with your wife going to do something she may or may not want to do. So Yeah, I think she'd be into that. 
Well, I'll check with you. That's a good idea. Man, because some of your tools do look like they came off the shelf of an a antique store. Like, what's and that one have. that you have? Uh, you've told me the name before. I forgot. It's uh, It basically acts like a router. Like, uh, it has, like, the flat top and then, like, a Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's a, a yeah. so, that is a router plane. It's a the hand router, router plane. plane. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, is that cool. one I got I want one of those. From the, I could use one of those today, actually. But. So, I got one of those from the uh, Lee Valley Veritas B-Stock sale. Um, that one I got on sale and it honestly took me about a year and a half before I figured out how to use it correctly. But now that I've gotten that dialed in, it's amazing. And yes, technically working with a a palm router would be faster, but it's just much more of a connection to the piece when you're using hand tools. It's just enjoyment more than anything else. Yeah. Well, you can also, also, you don't have to worry about something with that. Yeah. You're not worried about something, you know, running on you and you scrapping an entire piece. So exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Jess, what do you think? We the next plane. Uh, I like a block plane. You use it a lot. Just it's smaller. You know, it's not so big. Yeah. I used them all the time when we would take because I when I would do my barn doors and stuff like that. When it when the, the rail and style would come together, I would just bevel that edge a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would just take. I had one cheap one but i kept it pretty sharp and just would take the edges off with it and it just made it so nice you got it It puts a little bit of detail that like steps up the game so much without having to do a whole lot that settles it man uh you got a brand or just let's go snag one you you can't go wrong like i've had the the cobalt one it's good um yeah it, it gets you by it's a great starter check out uh, as I said, see if you can find one of the antique ones at like an antique sale or rummage sale or something. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, Stanley, Irwin, um, you don't have to step up to like the the Wood River or Veritas ones. By the time you're getting to some of those levels, you're dropping $300 on a block plane. <laughs> and that's, yeah. you could take a zero off of that and just get one at Home Depot or Lowe's and make it work. But I the use... Wood Whisper- I actually use the the cobalt chisels and Irwin chisels from from Lowe's. I sharpen really? them all the time. They are like bulletproof. Those things are awesome. For the money, they are unbelievable chisels. Yeah. I mean, I guess with a chisel, if as long as it's good quality metal, like uh, you can sharpen it to get where you want. Right. Well, it starts getting harder, too. It gets harder to sharpen. Mm-hmm. there's a good balance there. That's kind of what makes an expensive chisel, something that keeps its edge, but it's still easy to sharpen. Yeah. Um, I saw some on there that were like 500 bucks for a set and it was some sort of new stuff that I was going to say the wood whisperer has got this thing about taking like a Amazon Stanley hand plane and, and you know, like dialing it in as you would say. Mm-hmm. And he basically just takes a piece of granite and tapes a piece of sandpaper to it and just sits there and sands the bottom till it's perfectly flat. And you can see as soon as he starts, there's some, he does the blade and he sharpens the blade real careful and gets it perfect. And, um, just by doing that, it makes it a really nice plane. I, the steel's not as good as, you know, as in a higher end one, but mm-hmm. 
you're not going to use it all the time, it's not an issue. And even just to start out, like it can last you five, 10 years. And then by that time, if you want to upgrade to a higher end one, do it. But like, there are some great ones that you can buy now for the under $50 mark that you'd be surprised how often you use once you have it dialed in. Very nice. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. All right. So what's on your bench, Ross? Um, well, uh, this week was, I know we, we spoke last Monday, um, Tuesday in all honesty, I wanted to start drinking heavily by like 9am. It was, it was not a good week for me up until about Thursday, things started to turn around, but, uh, it was just one thing after another stress from my day job on top of a whole bunch of other stuff, just multiple things piling up all at once. The antique table that I've been like, I built it. It's all ready to go with the exception of the stain. And the problem is I am now trying to match. I'm trying to color match a different type of wood than the actual table is made of. So the table is made out of cherry. The the pieces of lumber that I had to be able to make the legs out of were red oak, which it has a little bit more grain to it. But outside of that, the natural color of it um, is actually pretty similar to the cherry. The problem is trying to match a stain that is a hundred plus years old with UV exposure, trying to dial that in. I have gone through probably 10 iterations of different stains, trying to color match between different things. I am. Are you you mixing stains? Oh yeah. I'm at the point of mixing stains. Now I tried just straight up traditional cherry. I tried like, you know, every kind of facet of, of a red stain out there. I'm diluting stains. I am mixing stains. I am like, it's like Willy Wonka, like trying to throw everything together. And I've even made like full pieces of red oak and segmented it by like, this is this color at one coat, at two coats with pre-stain, with no pre-stain, like doing multiple iterations of each one. And it may look when it's wet, like it's the right color. And then you come back the next day and it's like, Ooh, that's too purple or that's too red or that's too orange. And so I'm pulling whatever hair I have left out, trying to make sure I can dial in this piece because it's been sitting in my shop since December. I'm getting on six months that it's been there. I just want to get this thing finished, but I can't deliver it with no stain on the legs. So that's where I'm at with that piece. Um, Outside of that, I actually am, I've been working on building this desk riser that's going to be a computer desk riser for the customer who bought the ePay bench. Um, And I'm actually going to have to do, uh, I actually did hand cut dovetails for uh, the riser part of it. So it'll have two shelves and kind of a floating piece in the middle with hand cut dovetails and then a live edge slab on top. And that live edge slab actually is going to end up being a network USB port so he can plug in everything on top of that and it'll plug directly into the computer. And then there'll also be a hidden phone charger underneath one of the knots on, on the slab. So all kinds of stuff is integrated into there, which is great. But yeah, I, I saw the video you were making of that. Um, I don't know if it was a story. I think it might've been a story actually. Instagram yeah. story. Dude, that uh, I can't wait to get creative on a desk like that, but dude, yeah, that, so- that looks so good. It's been, it's been fun. Um, I can tell you, I need a little bit of work still dialing in my, um, hand cut dovetails. They weren't perfect, but they're done. 
And now I'm working on the drawers. So just getting all those dialed in, it's just the little details that you got to get done right. So getting all that stuff dialed in at the moment. And um, once I finish that, I I have a litany of other projects I need to jump on. I have to make some stools out of some ePay. Unfortunately, the customer who wanted me to make the back, excuse me, the backgammon table, uh, I got the quote over to them and they haven't gotten back to me because I think I got scared by the quote. Um, but it is what it is. I got excited about talking about backgammon for a little bit, but you can still make one. I can still make one. So we'll see what happens. You never yeah. know. Uh, but once I finish these, you know, the, the ePay stools, I'm actually going to stop taking some customer projects for a little bit because I have a desk I need to make for my wife in, in our office. Uh, there has been a table now sitting a spalted maple table that, uh, live edge slab spalted maple table that I built half of, and it's been sitting in my shop for like two years now. And I just need to finish this piece. So it's one of those where I just got to take time and like, I got to do a bunch of shop upgrades as well. So I'm hoping this summertime to be able to do that kind of stuff, focus on, you know, getting some other projects done around the shop so that I'm better set up to be able to build more things moving forward. So, all right, man, I I wish I could take some time off like that. Uh, First thing I want to do. Well, I need to get the bench, (laughs) the bench built. But yes. I also want to do like French cleats all across uh, my long wall. And I, I, oh, I feel you. I, I've been planning to take time off and build stuff that I actually want to build and need to build for the shop for literally a year and a half. And every time mm-hmm. I do it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take the month of December off. And then projects take much longer. And next thing you know, you're like, well, I have a week to get done everything I wanted to get done but I really need to pay right. some bills too. So I'm going to take in this job to get some money in. And like, yeah, it is, well, it's, 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 it's a vicious cycle. It's hard to say no to, especially a cool project like that yeah. desk you're working on. It, it's so, cause also you never know what that job's going to lead to in another job. And if you just, yeah. I, I'm so strangely enough, the, the desk piece that I'm building now is actually the sixth piece I've built for this one customer. And every time I go back to their house to deliver something else, they're like, oh, by the way, here's this project. Or, oh, by the way, we have an idea here, which is amazing. But mm-hmm. it's, as you said, like, you never know what that one project is going to lead to. And it's been awesome because it's that the customer has been incredible. They keep giving me different challenges, ways I didn't think that I was going to have to build something. And it, they've made me, like, think outside the boxes, how I'm going to build them, what design am I going to do, all that kind of stuff. So it's been an awesome challenge. I yeah. wish... I wish more customers were like them and just kept kind of giving me creative control. So I was about to say, uh, especially the more you work with them, like you hear uh, my favorite words to hear, like, um, like they just give you like the general idea and then they're like yeah. creative with it. Like, like put your yeah. work into it. And I, I end up doing those projects so much better. We trust you. Yeah. We yep. trust you. Yeah. I, I do those. I put so much more, <laughs> into those projects um yep not that not that i'm shorting on the other ones but um yeah i guess it's more of your heart man i i feel yes yeah so yeah well you'll get it all done just a question do you is it impossible to like strip that table down and just restain the whole thing all with new stain and re-clear it oh you're talking the antique table 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that crossed my mind too. It's real, de- yeah. real detailed. That's the only way you're going to get it's, it. The, so the problem is, it's not that it's real detailed. It's that this is a historic piece. Yeah. And I've already cut off the original legs. And yeah. for me to be able to actually get it down correctly, the the amount of sanding I'm going to have to do, I hate to say it, but it's probably oh. not worth it. But we'll see. It may be I worth mean, it. At some point, you're going to have to just call out your losses and say, you know what? Yeah. I'm just going to sand this whole thing down. Or I'm going to get it as close it. as I can, and this is what they get. Well, I hate to say this, but they make a product that is like stain and poly in one called Poly Shades. Yeah, it's not. And, and I don't like that no, stuff. No, I've tried it but before. But it'll cover, it'll cover that in two coats. It'll cover anything. Yeah. Oh, you're saying put a new finish on the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's something close. We'll see. I, I'm yeah. I'm getting close to that through. point, but I'm trying to avoid that if all if at all possible. Who knows, man? Yeah, you, you, I understand. The next mix might be perfect. You never know. But well, oh, you never know. Well, have you, a mad scientist. Maybe mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you'd want to buy more wood, but um, maybe ditch the the red oak and uh oh, get some actual i don't think he cherry. can change the legs now no the legs are fixed <laughs> they're not oh, coming oh, out okay <laughs> yeah never mind scratch that idea yeah the legs are totally affixed to the table base and i wanted to do that before i put the stain on because i wanted to make sure there was no weird glue lines after the stain was done so now i have to just figure out the stain and i've been trying different ones but i'm close i'm hoping by the end of this week I can get there. I've just been 700 more combinations. Yeah. And the other problem is like, it's not a, it's not a problem, but uh, my day job has been fairly busy, busy at the moment. So I've been, yeah, I've been out in the field you, a right? lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wish that there was a thing for stain, right? Because you go to a paint store and I'll be danged if they don't get it almost a hundred percent nowadays. So like, I do have a good sample. I do have a color wheel from Verathane. That actually shows yeah. the combination and like oh. you can turn it and you see like if this color is closest, it's a combination of like number seven and number two, which uh-uh. is no switch pine. And, yeah. You can order it from Verathane uh-huh. or any any Verathane the, uh, dealer. So I actually went to uh, Ace Hardware and they happen to have one there. And I was like, listen, I get a bunch of like Verathane from you. Is there a chance I could get one of these color wheels? And they're like, yeah, we'll just order another one from our vendor and have them deliver it. We'll let you know when it's in. So I got it for free, but Verathane actually wow. has like a color wheel of like, here's all of our stains in the middle and turn this wheel and you'll see what the combination of each of these colors looks like. Dude, that is a nugget right there. I, yeah. I need to I need well, to get me one of those. Somebody needs to invent a program where it like tells you like what wood that you're using and then what combination to make it. Yeah, yeah, that would be really cool. Or at least close. Yeah. I mean, they got a, AI now you that. take yeah. a picture of a tree and it tells you what kind of tree it is. That's true. You can take a picture of the grain and stuff. Why can't they AI figure that shit out? Right. I don't know. Well, anyway. So, well, would you guys like to hear the wood of the week? You know, that is actually a great transition into the wood of the week. So, Jess, what do you got for us? So, interestingly, I had a one of our people that listened, one of the three. And oh, we were they up to six. Said, Come on. <laughs> and they said... Uh, that they had a request for the Wood of the Week because he plays guitar amongst, I think, actually he plays all of it. He's like you, Ross. He plays. I used to be in a band with him. 
and he wanted me to talk about zebra wood or what people call zebra uh, wood yeah. or sobrano. Yeah. Is what it's called. They, cause they use it in front boards and stuff like that. They do. I didn't know that. Um, I also learned a new word today. Is it zebra wood? Which is called, no, it's called marquetry and marquetry spelled with a Q. M-A-R-Q-U-E, which is basically inlays. Oh. Marquetry. M-A-R-Q-U-E-T-R-Y. Marquetry. So are you talking like the, the pearl inlays like in a the net? Could be. Okay. Any type of inlay in, in anything really is is called marquetry. I yeah. should use that when talking yeah. about the resin inlays yeah. with uh, customers. Yeah. Sound real fancy. So anyway, <laughs> uh, what a lot of people don't know about zebra wood, and I knew this already before reading up on it, is that it's not made if of they zebra? just saw it's not made of zebras, there's no zebras in it, and it doesn't grow near a zebra's dead body. Oh, good. It is not very pretty when you saw it um, like regular sawn. It's not like it's it's just kind of like gold, but you get that zebra when it's flat sawn or rotary rotary sawn only flat sawn or like riff sawn kind of thing. Yeah, it, I think if you if they do it quarter sawn, you don't see it. I don't. I forget which way it goes. Yeah, it's same way but, for like white oak where you get the the speckling in there, right? Which is what they call tiger. Oak, yeah, right. So. Um, the one thing about zebra wood that's interesting is it's it's one of the stiffest woods out there. No jokes, guys. Very white. Uh, <laughs> Nothing's coming it's to mind. Stiff. I don't know. Um, it. I mean, I've used it before. We made a table out of it once. It's very, very expensive. Yeah. Um, How did you make a table out of it? Where did you like? Let me ask. I glued it together. Well, I know, but like, where where did you source enough zebra wood? For that. So this, there was a new guy in town that messaged us on Facebook. This is when I first started. That sounds and, sketchy. And he had like exotic woods. I forget what he called it. It was like exotic wood Joe or something. And he Joe Exotic, I he think his name is. Had always been in the business, had kind of retired, and was selling some exotic woods, you know. And he had like zebra wood and African mahogany and some other things. And so, um. We went down there, and the lady that owned the store, she said, "I like that." And she's like, "Let's let's buy some of that." And I said, "That stuff's expensive," and she said, "I know, but she's like, how much to get a table?" So I was actually able to buy six or eight twelve footers, about five to six inches wide, rough saw nine dollars, I think. Uh, so but it was it, it was, was like Joe a, Exotic or Exotic Joe's. Uh, that guy went out of business in like three months, bro. Yeah, but like, was was his arch nemesis <laughs> Carol Baskin? Is what I want to know. know. But you know what he did have in that place is he had Carol Baskin's a husband. He had a planer, <laughs> a Delta planer that looked like it was from 1803. Okay, in there, and it was solid cast iron. I mean, there wasn't anything on it that wasn't solid steel. There was no plastic on this thing. And, um, you know, he said it was like 60, 70 years old and it still worked. You turn it on, you can barely hear it. It it was really neat. It was like an antique that somebody had uh, fixed back up. But anyway. um, So, yeah, zebra wood wood is the wood of the week. Zebra wood. Yeah, zebra wood is the wood of the week. It comes from Cameroon and Gabon. You Um, say it was pretty dense, pretty thick. It's it's very dense. 
extremely dense. It's as high stiff, as it pretty much gets. It, but it's known for its stiffness. Yes, that's that's true. Stiff and dense. Um, and mostly people use it for something that's decorative because it is a wild, it is a wild looking wood. Uh, I've seen it a lot in instruments. Yeah. And I've seen it a lot in inlays and things because the grain's so fun on it. But there's your wood of the week. That'll work. So that brings me to your useless wood knowledge of the week. It does. What do you got for us, Jess? So, so what I do have, I don't know if it's so useless, but I want everybody that's listening to this to Google the, hang on, where are giving homework If you're now? driving right now, don't Google it. <laughs> the, the Loretto Chapel, <clears throat> excuse me, the Loretto Chapel, it's in, um, I've heard of this. in Nevada. Okay, so they made a movie about this staircase. All right. So let me give you a little backstory on this staircase. To me, I think it's probably one of the most, if not, it's one of the most beautiful things made of wood ever in history. Um, if, when you see it, you'll see why. So basically, this ch- it's a small church, right? And they had um, they wanted the choir to go upstairs. Well, the only way they could get up there was a ladder. So they brought carpenters over and everybody else. And they're like, just use the ladder. The chapel's too small. You can't build stairs, right? So all the nuns got together and they prayed, right? This is the story that's told. All the nuns get together and they prayed. And then like on the ninth day or seventh day of praying, also another word that I learned, which was a- a Prayer? No, no, Noverna. Was it a Noverna? No, Novena. A novena, a novella, which is a petition. A telenovela. No, novena, which is like a petition. Um, on the ninth day, and after their final prayer, the, they heard a knock on the door, and there's this dude with a toolbox, and he's looking for work, right? So they're like, well, just so happens, we need a carpenter. We need to build a staircase that will fit in this area. So he's like, all right, and he builds this staircase for months, Right. With the hand tools. I want everybody to understand that. This is like in 18, uh, does it say 1860-something? So he goes, okay, thanks, and he leaves and doesn't take payment and disappears. And the thing that he built is so unbelievable. It doesn't have any supports. It doesn't have any nails. It doesn't have any fasteners in it. And it's like, Burl in burl veneer or whatever it is, all the way spiraling up. There's no supports. They can't figure out what kind of wood it is. They can't figure out how it's holding itself up. Uh, something to do with the risers and all that just blows mathematics out the window. It is, it is unbelievable. Yeah, I- and they've actually taken parts of it and tried to examine it. And they don't know what kind of wood it is. So maybe it's an extinct tree. I don't know. I, I, but I'm the spindles and everything. It is in. Incredible. So if you get a chance, uh, I guess you could, I have never, I didn't know there was a movie called The Staircase, but uh, there was a movie made about it. And um, yeah, I really want to go see this now. Like I want to go there just to see this thing. And yeah. Touch it. yeah. Loretto so, Chapel amazing. in New Mexico. Looking at, yeah, looking at the wood, Chapel. part of the, they didn't have stain back then right so no that's all natural yeah so some of it it's like a really dark it's black some of it's almost oaky as far as like the grain but then then it gets more like dispersed grain 
but um, it's just it gives me goosebumps to look at this thing and the the handrails to the underneath of it to the all the different spindles um it's quite quite interesting yeah i mean it so. makes several loops around itself oh they even put an yeah. ad in the paper to try to find this guy afterwards they've got the ad the story that was street, that it was either never, he never found it, it was either an angel or somebody else right saint joseph came yeah <laughs> they say saint joseph's the one that was actually did it yeah. that's why he disappeared yep yeah, yeah pretty neat oh you can plan your wedding there yeah yeah you can have a wedding there it is a chapel they do that thing I, yeah i would i would i just want to go there and and see it i just think it's so much it's all wooden pegs that's all it doesn't say whether or not i haven't read enough to find out whether or not it actually used glue because back then it would have been like horse hide glue or something yeah. but um yeah it, it is so beautiful Man, yeah that's really cool oh yeah and loretto yeah l-o-r-e-t-t-o yeah, to let auto correct correct me on that. All right, but uh, well, no, thank you, cool. Jess. That was that was that that is actually uh, an awesome wood knowledge nugget. So it's definitely yeah. something worth looking up. Yeah, yeah. For all you young woodworkers out there, you can aspire to be angelic in your building. Wouldn't that be amazing though to make something that people just awe at? And like, how did you possibly like? I look the at fact my fact that he made it in months is my question. Did he really make it in months? Because that looks like I mean one person like years. I helped make some children that I think are pretty fantastic, and they <laughs> also took months. Yeah, but you just did that doing the one thing you think about all the time. No, I, I think about I think about eating a lot sandwiches. <laughs> oh my god! Did you do both at the same time, like George? <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't want to spill the sandwich. Oh, uh, yeah. You want slimy yeah. falling on it. That's right. So um, that does bring us to the whiskey of the week. Ah. And the first question would be, last week, our whiskey of the week was Pike Creek, the Canadian whiskey. So, Colton, yeah. did it dandy? Um, it dandy's okay. So I actually had to call around five different, uh, on the fifth liquor store, they finally had it. And they only had one bottle. And she told me that she had had that bottle for maybe five years. Really? And yeah, it, I was surprised. It was aged. Yeah. But um, hmm. unfortunately, it wasn't the rye. I was looking for the rye. This was the uh, the vintage. And it was okay. finished finish in a port barrel. Yep. Which, um, it was very interesting. Like, I, I did enjoy it. Um, a little bit neat. And then I threw some ice in there. And... It was all right. Uh, it has that real like sweet port finish. Yeah, and uh, and it's a Canadian too whiskey, so it's uh, it was already doubly sweet because it's Canadian. Yeah. But so if you were going to describe the flavor, Colton, how would you describe it? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. So if you could picture you're driving along in in, in your vehicle, right, and your phone dies. And so you gotta switch over to the radio, but it just so happens your your favorite song's playing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the radio edit, and they, they so it's a little bit shorter. They cut out the the cool long intro, and all the curse words are they didn't just silence the words. They uh, they did some stupid like homophone, like for it, you know, like instead of shit, it's sugar or something, and. Um, <laughs> So it is cool that your song's coming on. It's the first one you turned on, but it's just a little bit, uh, 
not your favorite, you know, it damaged it a little bit. And uh, that's kind of what this whiskey was like for me. It was, um, I, I did like it, especially at first. It, it was cool to have a Canadian whiskey that I would actually like to have neat, but. And would I, you drink, would you buy it and or drink it again? Let me start with that. Yeah. I maybe at a bar for like one glass, just to remember it. Okay. But, that's fair. um, and definitely if I see the rye, I would like to try that because I, I like, I like the rye, I like some spice. Okay. Uh, but, All um, right. as far as the, the vintage, um, yeah, I think I'd get it at a bar again, maybe, but okay. only one, I wouldn't get two. Okay. That's fair. So yeah. it did not dandy well. Um, well, also there's some more factors to the dandy. Um, yeah, I, I'm drinking it right now, but it. So I, I went with the Fever Tree ginger beer, and uh, uh, a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, which I, I mean, I like the sharp, but um, I think what really what threw it off was the um, the cherries. So I, I went with a different cherry. Um, it was one that came in a jar, real thick. Uh, Luxardo. Uh, this is not Luxardo. Shoot, I, I knew I was gonna maraschino. Name is this maraschino? <laughs> um, no, I, I don't remember. It starts with an E, but it was just what berry with the cherry. But it, it was a very um, specific. <laughs> it, it, it was a very specific flavor, which it might go good in a, a different cocktail. But with ginger okay. and whiskey, it wasn't the best. So I think that kind of dampered it. I mean, I'm gonna okay. finish this cocktail. Don't get me wrong. But it, it's a, I'd say it's it's a four out of ten on the dandy. Scale. Okay, that's fair. Well, the the whiskey for this week, I actually am bringing it back to you, El Estados Unidos, going with the Russell's Reserve ten year old bourbon. Uh, and Russell's Reserve is out of the wild turkey uh, family, made by Jimmy Russell and his son Eddie. Um. And uh, I actually have had the pleasure when I first got into the the whiskey industry of working with the Russell family. And uh, Jimmy is one of the the nicest, nicest old guys I've ever met. But he gave me some very interesting advice way back when. He said, if you're ever at a whiskey show or any kind of a, a drinking kind of gathering where they're handing out cocktails, if you see a booth where they have scantily clad women handing out free cocktails, don't drink their whiskey. They need those good-looking women to bring you into the table. If you see some grizzled old fat dude sitting behind the table, <laughs> drink his stuff because the whiskey stands for itself. He doesn't need to get all gussied up for you. Oh, and that... I've, I have held that to heart after all these years. And anything from, from Wild Turkey, for the most part, I've really enjoyed. But getting into the Russell's Reserve level takes it to a different different plateau. So bang for the buck wise, this is usually like a 35 to $40 whiskey. And it is, especially if you can find a single barrel version of it, it knocks it out of the park. Uh, but even just a standard release, Russell's reserve is unbelievable whiskey for what it is for the All price. Right. Man, so. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, um, I did get a sample of a whiskey. Um, when I was at, when I was buying the, uh, the Pike Creek, and okay. it's uh, it's George Remus. I might be yes. pronouncing that wrong, but it's you are pronouncing it correct. Yeah, it's a um, hundred and fourteen proof. Yep. Hot. Oh, I, I loved it. Oof. I so um, 
flammable. A fun yeah. story for you on the Remus uh, brand, and it's it's great whiskey. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it actually comes from the MGP Distillery, which is um, a distillery in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, which is a sourcing distillery. They, in well, all your, honesty, your they yeah, yeah, my neck of the nape. Um, that distillery is, in all honesty, responsible for creating what is now about sixty-five percent of the bourbon and eighty-five to ninety percent of all the rides out on the market. And our master distiller for Old Elk actually was the master distiller there for sixteen of his thirty-eight years that he was there at that facility. And his his name is Greg Metz. And before he came to work for Old Elk full time, they had released a product called Metz's Select. And it was supposed to be his first foray into putting something out that had his name on it. And it was going to be this high-end whiskey. And the first batch of it went out and it sold out pretty quickly. And batch two was created. And then he left MGP to come work for Old Elk full-time. And so they didn't release all that product. They actually pulled it all back, rebranded it, and rebottled it into a brand called George Remus. So any of the George Remus product is actually the same whiskey that was created for Metz's Select uh, a few years ago. And it was supposed to be this higher tier line made by the master distiller at MGP. So it's actually, it got its start from there. It's it's come a long way since then, but that's that's the little background on that. Really? Interesting. Yeah. That's neat. So well, man, that's your he, whiskey he nugget. He made a good whiskey, man. Yes, he did. The, uh, Still does. So, yeah. I they, some of the harder whiskeys I've had to find, I, I find at this one, like this little liquor store, it's like Orion liquor and it's okay. in like a strip mall, but then you go inside and it's just really nice, like, you know, full walls and everything. And they got some, some pretty good bourbons in there and everything, but there's this little Asian lady and, uh, she's always super helpful with me. And, um, like she was excited, like when I started asking about where the Pike Creek was and everything, um, and she found out that I, I did, I liked bourbon and everything. Uh, yeah. She was really excited to get me the, that shot and everything. Cool. Uh, yeah. Very nice. So uh, boys, we're at uh, an hour and 20 minutes here. Do we want to uh, start to wrap things up? Do we, anything else we want to cover? Yeah. Hey, I, I got a little nugget. I had to learn the okay. hard way. What do you got? Uh, yeah. Nugget. Um, so CA glue activator. So I, yes. I did learn that there's two different types of activator. Um, basically the more expensive one cures. I can't remember the, the terms, but uh, it has, a, it's, it has a different base, but it cures about two, three seconds slower, but it uh, prevents all that white, like the, not burn. The foaming but, that happens. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, if you're, like sandwiching stuff together, it doesn't really matter. But if you're feeling knots, that's a lot more important. But uh, what I what I learned the hard way this week was, so I ran out of my activator, right? And I had to get these. Uh, so I, I, I use CA glue for for parts of the board, like holding LEDs down and different things. But um, I ended up using a little bit of water. Like so, there's that one point where I have to like sandwich. Uh, two pieces together and like I would lightly spray one side with just water and uh, kind of wipe it off, not sopping wet or anything. And then it activated the CA glue when I pushed to it. Really? It, 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 yeah, it would take a few more seconds. It, it, I'd have to hold it there for a sec, but it definitely uh, activated it quicker than if it wasn't there. Hmm. 
Yeah. So Ooh. if you get in a pinch, you can spritz some water. Uh, I will keep that in mind. Yeah. Jess, you got any nuggets? I've heard that before. Um, I just thought of one and now I forgot it. You go first. Uh, well, I, I, I feel like I gave a nugget earlier with the, uh, finding the antique hand planes. Yes. To be able to clean those up. But, um, you know, I'm going to stick with that as my nugget. So I bought you another four seconds, Jess. There you go. Jess. Um, well, I I, I called Jess what, um, middle last week with a, uh, a question. So we had, uh, we're doing like some board and batten in our house right now and we're doing it out of MDF. And we were having problems with the edges, like uh, swelling up. And Jess recommended this. Oh, I never remember what I was going to say. This primer. So I'll give you. So I'll give you two. So um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, first of all, painting the edge of MDF is a pain in the you know what anyway because it's rough. Mm-hmm. The way it's your like mother likes crazy it. Crazy rough. Very rough. And uh, you can use. If you have, if it, I mean, it doesn't always do that. It depends what kind of primer you use or paint that you use. Cause you know, a lot of them are paint and primer nowadays, but if you start to get some sort of swelling, um, use a non-water-based primer like, and I always have this in your pocket, Ben Zenser primer, B I N. And it is a shellac based primer. It's very thin. So it's kind of a pain in the butt to work with. Um, you clean up with ammonia, or um, rubbing alcohol because it's a shellac base, of course, and it dries instantly. And I mean, like you roll it on and then don't touch it again, like one or two passes. That's it because it instantaneously dries. But the thing about that stuff is since it's so thin and since it dries so fast, um, it has, it'll stick to glass. It is high, 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 high bond. Um, and James within Bond. 20 minutes, it'll sand like a dream. It sands like a dream. So it's also a good stain blocker. So if you've ever gotten like um, a ceiling, like in a bathroom and it's all peely or or you're painting a piece of furniture even and it's all peely or like, you know how block on the, on the outside of the building that's been painted will turn chalky mm-hmm. And you got to worry about bonding. That is the perfect primer because it like goes in, it soaks it all up, and whew, it just dries instantly and and sticks to it. Hmm. Uh, it's interior exterior, I believe. So I somebody an old painter showed me about that one time because I had a peeling a ceiling that was peeling and it had stains in it in a bathroom. Rolled it over and it just like glued everything back down perfectly. Huh? Um, yeah. It'll stick to. It'll just about stick to laminate. It's really cool. crystal. So the nugget that crystal I crystal loved it. It um. It was a game changer for us. Yeah, you just you just use a roller though. Like mm-hmm. you just like you just roll it on and throw away the roller and be done with it. Especially with spot priming, but it's really nice. So um, my nugget is if you ever have to hang two doors, especially two doors that are like custom that you just made, um, even if it was on a piece of furniture. Uh, but especially when you're hanging it, like maybe in an opening that you didn't necessarily frame, like you're making some new doors. I know how that goes. It's, What's your hint here? Yeah. I'm very anxious <laughs> on this. So it's the, the opening will be all irregular, right? Cause you got, you got four different lines you're trying to deal with, with the frame. And then you've got, uh, you got a fifth one 
in the middle now. Correct. Because you've got the two doors. So you got like eight, one, two, three, four, seven lines that you're all freaking worried about all at the same time. Correct. And then you put one door up because you're by yourself. And then you go to hang the other door and this one's too high or this one's too low. So then there's, and then you run it out of holes to drill with the hinges because you can't, you know, mm-hmm. put another screw close to where the other screw goes. And it goes on and on and on and on like that. So before you do anything, take the two doors, lay them on the ground, right? Put you a blanket down or whatever it is. Or if it's outside, you can put something, if it's like over a concrete, yeah. put something Saw horses or what have you. Lay no, no, on the ground. Okay. On the ground in front of the opening with the bottom of the door towards the bottom of the opening. Okay. Right? Like you're going to tilt it yeah. up, right? Mm-hmm. Pretend you're going to tilt it up. And if you can sacrifice a couple holes in that door, or if you can clamp it some way, you know, it just depends on what you got to deal with. Screw a two by four on that thing, put a little spacer. Push them together, get them lined up, put a little spacer, do something, get them exactly how you want them to be in relation to themselves on the ground and screw them together with a two by four at the bottom and a two by four at the the top. Now, if you've got enough clearance, which you shouldn't necessarily on the top. You will on the bottom. bottom, Yeah. You could on the bottom, right? If it's not real close. So you could put a little one by Mm -hmm. two uh, on the bottom and get those doors as one. Make them one, okay. mm. right? So they're not going to move. All the- put your hinges, put your hinges on that sucker, and then tilt it up into the opening, and start doing your shim. Lift the bottoms. Put a little shim on this bottom, a little shim on that bottom, and um, get it where you want. And then go inside and mark where your hinges are if you can. You can reach in there and see where your hinges are at. Mark or even mark it on the outside. You know, you can see where it is on the outside. And get it all just where you want and mark where you want your hinges, pull it down, and then you'll know exactly where to put your stuff. In the case that I had this week, the hinges were actually exterior, like on a fence. Mm-hmm. I used like gate hinges. And so I was able literally to shim it and get it just where I wanted and then just put the hinges in. But, and we were but my question is, let's say you have to trim the interior, that line on the interior, that fifth line that you spoke of, because the hinges that you're marking now need to be in one spot. You're going to find that out before you get all your hinges in because it won't go in the pocket. Correct. And that was the issue I ran into with these sets of doors. (laughs) Well, well, it it happened with me. So it did happen with me. So I put them back down, took the things off, ripped uh, an eighth off the two inside lines. That's how I chose to do it. Put it back together. But it's better than getting that hinge in. And then now you're like at this point where you've got so many holes Mm -hmm. in there in your jam that you can't, um, you can't, you got no screw hole. You do. It's like, you're just, you're having to stick match sticks in the yeah. holes to try to put a new screw, a, a six, 16th of an inch closer to the Yeah. Other. Okay. So anytime you do two doors, try to keep them together and put them in as one. I like it. And mark it all that's out. That's good. Yeah. I like it. All right. I think that's probably a good place to end it for right now. So, uh, with that in mind, um, this has been the beat around the bench podcast. And I want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in and for following along. And for Jess, Colton, for me, Ross, this has been the Beat Around the Bench podcast. We will catch you guys all next time. Bye-bye. See you.